complicated at all. We, we have the opportunity, the, the ability to come to you in repentance and, and in newness of life because of what you have done. And you are our king, and we recognize that the things that we do in our life, it's not because of us, it's, it's because of you living in us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just speak to us, that you would guide us, that you would, you would walk and, and, and live with us uh, presently in this moment, that we would not be distracted by other things, but that we would be just listening to, to you as you speak. We pray that we would honor and glorify you and you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Please have a seat. We're reading from Luke 4, 14 through 30. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogue, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and then there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up, thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Thank you, Julie. All right, it is time. Kids, first through third grade can go downstairs. Um, looks like my wife is chasing them, so someone's with them at least. All right. Well, if you guys have your little paper handout, I got some announcements on there. Uh, there's an announcement uh, I wasn't thinking about, um, but thankfully Steve helped me out with. Um, I think it's Super Bowl Sunday. Is it? Who's playing? Who's winning? Good. I like that. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about that too much. But the uh, we're not going to have a Bible study tonight. Um, uh, it's kind of came at a good time anyway. We just finished our our sir uh, our series um, last week, and then so we won't have one tonight. Next week we're debating. Uh, Steve won't be here. His wife is flying back in, um, and so. Uh, but then the following week after that, so the, what is that, the 25th, February 25th? February 25th, we'll be starting a new series. We're looking at possibly Ephesians uh, going through that. We, there's another couple ideas we're toying with. So, um, But February 25th, it's a great time to jump in. Sunday nights, 6 o'clock for new Bible study that we'll be starting. And then um, Wednesday nights, we've got lots of stuff going on. we got youth group and um, I know it's Valentine's Day, but no one in the youth group or, you know, kids club really needs to worry about it, right? So uh, we're still going to have kids club and youth group Wednesday night. Uh, that's the, There's a meal at like 545. It's quick eat because then we got six to seven. We have one hour. We've got a lot to fit in. Uh, and then so that'll be Wednesday nights. And then uh, Friday night, this Friday night, um, we are... Uh, hosting like uh, parents night out and so if you want to get away and go have a date night um, you can bring your kids to the church we'll have a couple of hopefully responsible adults I don't know if you I'm counted in that but there will be other adults too okay um, but we'll have adults here and, and we'll uh, watch your kids um, I think I have that from 5 to 8 30 from 5 to 8 30 so, one thing I haven't mentioned the last few, few weeks is if you could text me and say, hey, I'm going to be bringing some kids, that way I might have enough food for everyone. So, if you could RSVP that, that would be helpful just to make sure that we have food and your kids, your kids aren't going to starve over one night, are they? Maybe. My kids think they need like six meals a day, so they, they might starve. All right, so we're... Uh, we're, we're doing a little switcheroo. Um, I didn't tell Julie this, but she might have looked at the paper and noticed that I, I, I've been teaching through the book of Luke. And I had Julie read a passage out of the book of Luke today. And, and I spent a lot of time, not a lot, but I, I spent time working on this sermon. And, and, and like, there's so much I want to talk about in it. And, you know, you always struggle with doing it justice. But... But, like, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel like th there's something I want to talk about in this passage in the book of Luke that I want to say emphatically. That if I just say it to you guys, you might be like, well, wait a second, it didn't say that there. And so what I want to do is I want us to go to the book of 2 Kings. And I want to look at the story that Jesus references. He references two different stories. Uh, in, in the passage that Julie read for us, there's, um, he reads out of uh, Isaiah chapter 61, uh, and then he references two stories. He references um, Elijah when he was sent to a widow, and God miraculously fed them <coughs> continually with just a little bit of flour and oil for a long time. Uh, and, and then the other story is what we're going to look at today, uh, the story of Naaman. And so 2 Kings chapter number 5 is where we find the story of Naaman. And I'll read it here in just a second. But, you know, as, as we get into this, you know, like, 
Jesus is referencing these things, and, and, and really, he's in the synagogue, and so next week I'll talk about that story, so maybe I shouldn't teach the whole lesson. But in the synagogue, he's teaching to people who have like an oral history of, of what's come before. They have some writings, but in, in ancient culture, so much history came from speaking it and, and telling it to your children, and, and then their children telling it to their children. And so when Jesus references Elijah and Elisha, he references this, this widow from Zarephath and, and Naaman. Like, there's just a little bit of, like, some head nodding. They're like, oh, okay. And if you'll notice, again, not to teach next week's lesson today, but, like, if you notice, they understood so much what Jesus was talking about that they wanted to kill him. Okay? So what Jesus says isn't lost on them. And so rather than me just like saying it and hoping you guys aren't lost in it, I want us to look at the, the story of Naaman. Because I think there's some really special stuff here that if we begin to see that the God of the Old Testament is still Jesus. If we begin to see that the heart of our God and how he works and how he deals with people, I think, I think we can really begin to like see that what Jesus is like might defy our expectations. It may not fit into the mold that we want to force him into. And instead, he's, he's doing this great work. And so we're in the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5. And I, and I have this on the screens too. And I know I'm sit, making you guys sit here. You know, there's common wisdom that says, like, people don't like listening to more than, like, a couple verses of Scripture at a time. And I'm just like, man, I don't, I got, <laughs> I got very little to tell you except what Scripture says. So I'm going to read more Scripture. Second Kings chapter number 5 says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. But a leper. The Syrians had gone out in raids and had brought back captive a, a young woman from the land of Israel. She was, she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the, said the girl who is with me from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go, go now, and, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and he said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went to the house with his horses, or went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger, saying, "Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, 
and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of his God and, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abner and, and, and the Parpapar, I don't know how to say those, obviously, and the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And a servant came near and and spoke to him and said, My father, if, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from me, your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it. But he refused. The story goes on. and There's some more things that we could look at. But today I want us to look at this passage. And if you have your little handout, there's, there's really three questions that come up in this. Three questions that I want us to kind of ask these questions. It, to, to, to give the setting a little bit, Naaman Great man, valiant, like has achieved a lot, you know, whatever. What matters is his plight, his, his situation is he has leprosy. Leprosy, leprosy is a really interesting disease. Um, uh, I was trying to look some stuff up. There's a book that I've read that's really, really interesting. Um, I think it's, it's called Where is God When It Hurts? Um, and, and the author spent some time with people who had leprosy and, and like he kind of studies, uh, studied like what it was and w w because it's a really unique thing and, and what it does is it like deadens your nerves and it makes it to the point where you can't feel pain. And so you end up like actually damaging your own body because like your body's not telling you like your pain receptors aren't telling you, hey, that hurts. Like, you know, you, you bite your tongue and you, you just go all the way through because like your jaw is actually really strong. And if you don't, like your tongue doesn't tell you, hey, stop. It, it, like you don't stop, you know, you just keep going. And, and so people with leprosy, like, uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of research. It's like this bacteria that goes in and deadens. And, and we can actually cure it nowadays with a bunch of drugs. You know, we like drugs. Um, it's like a year-long treatment, but, I mean, that's only after, or like, only if you catch it early. Because the damage that you do to your body when you can't feel the pain, like, that can be long-lasting, right? And so if they catch it early, they can save you from, like, all the deadening nerves. <laughs> and so it's, 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 it's almost spectacular to think about. 
that Naaman is this, this great warrior. He, he's a leader. He's a commander. He's achieved all these things. And I don't know how many of these things he achieved before his situation, how many of them he was doing while he had leprosy. But, but Naaman is in this place where there's this, there's obvious, like, there's this malady, there's this, there's this problem in his life that he can't escape. And in fact, it, it envelops literally every aspect of your life. When, when you can't feel pain, it, it envelops every moment of every day because now you have to be extremely careful about everything that you do and, and you have to be careful if you trip to make sure that you didn't just break a toe and you're walking on it. And you have to be careful when you're eating to, to keep your tongue out of the way. You have to be careful. Like uh, people who have leprosy, like they become like almost OCD. They check themselves all the time. And, and it becomes this all-encompassing problem in his life where literally every moment is dictated by his problem. And I want us, we're, we're blessed. We, we are beyond blessed. We, we live in, in a day and age with, with great medicine and great access to medicine. And, 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 and you know, there's not often, I, I think that there's less than, um, I can't remember. I looked it up on the World Health Organization thing and, I think there's less than 100,000 cases a year of leprosy. Um, and so we live in a day and age where maybe leprosy is not our problem. But I want, I want us to like put ourselves in, this, in, in the plight of Naaman. And I want, I want us, I'm just going to start calling it the situation. Whole rest of this, this sermon, this talk, I'm going to be saying the situation. What's your situation? What's so all-encompassing in your life? What, what are you worried about? What situation are you facing? Is it, is it relational? Is it emotional? Is it, is it work? Is it, like, what, what in your life it causes you this anxiety, this, this fear, this, this pressure, this, this what if, this, this, like, battle for control? Like, what, is, what situation are you battling? What's all-encompassing in your life right now? And then from this passage, there's three questions that I want us to begin to ask ourselves. Whatever the situation, whatever situation we face, whether it's momentary, whether it's years, we need to be asking some questions. And the first question, am I God? my God. You see, Naaman, his situation, as powerful and valiant as he was, he was really powerless. He could mitigate circumstances and, and he could avoid making it worse, but he can't cure it. He can't fix it. He, he literally uses all of his relationships. He, 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 he pressures his, and uses his influence to get him in positions where possibly he could be cured. He's asking the king of Syria, hey, can I go and, and will you send a letter? And, and, 
And when he goes and he gets his, his friend, his, his master to, to, to support him in this, and, and, and he you know, leverages his relationship to, to control the situation, then he goes and, and he tries to buy his way out. He's taking gold and silver and, and clothes. and Yeah, clothes probably wouldn't buy me, but that's because I have a bunch of clothes. But, you know, like if I had two cloaks in my, all of my life, right, like I, I might be bought with a little bit of clothes, right? Like he's trying to buy out his situation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take whatever it takes. I'm going to spend whatever it costs. I'm going to go as far as I can to take care of this situation. Naaman's willing. <laughs> he, he, he wants out. He wants it fixed. He wants it cured. He wants it to be over. But this question doesn't come from Naaman. This question comes from the king of Israel. So the king of Syria sends this letter. It's really short, to the point, you know. <clears throat> Hey, I'm sending this army, or this commander. He's not here to conquer you, but heal his leprosy. The king of Israel's reading it. He's just like, okay. So king of Syria, you know, border wars, skirmishes. Like they've stolen some of our people. We've battled. We've fought. And he just sent a commander into the lion's nest. And he says, listen, he's not here to fight. If you heal his, no, he didn't say if, but like, I mean, we know how politicking works, right? Like, you help me, I'll help you, right? You don't help me, and man, we're coming, right? And the king of Israel's like, wait, like, you want me to heal leprosy? And like, obviously I can't do that. You just want an excuse to come and kill me. And he asks this question, am I God? He says, verse number seven, am I God to kill and make alive? To heal a man of leprosy? Am I God? Here's another way I think we can state this question in our situation. Can I really control my situation? Can I? Man, we live in a great day and age where we can avoid a lot. Until COVID comes through and shuts everything down. It turns out we can't avoid anything. We can't cure anything. We battle and we fight. And, we, and, and, and it's good to, to fight for life. But there are just so many things that are outside of our control. Am I? Am I God? Can I really control my situation? Can I really battle this do i have the authority to fix it i'm trying i'm i'm leveraging relationships i'm i'm spending money i'm going as far as i can i'm spending as much as i can and and the situation's still there and there's as, as much as i think through how to fix it like I, I just i try it and it doesn't work Maybe it makes it a little better today, but there it is tomorrow. Am I God? Can I really control this situation? Second question.
have you torn your clothes? <laughs> the king of Israel, he's like, oh my God, I can't do this. And Elisha says, why have you torn your clothes? Please, let him come to me, and, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And, and we read it. You saw, you saw what Naaman says after he's healed. He says, now I know that there is no, no God in all the world except in Israel. And this was the design. God called Abraham and, and he said, I'm going to bless you so that in you all the nations of the world might be blessed. And, and here we see a man from Syria coming to the place where God is proclaimed. And, and listen, the king of Israel is crying out, Am I God? What am I supposed to do? I can't, I can't bring life. I can't, I can't tell you when your life is going to end. And I can't heal leprosy. And yet the message he's supposed to have is the God of my country, the God that I serve and worship, he is the God of life and death and sickness and health. Like he, he has the power and the authority to do all these things. Am I God? Absolutely not. I have no control over this situation. But why am I so anxious? Why am I beating myself up? Why am I so concerned? Why am I so beaten down trying to control this situation when I'm supposed to be the one that's pointing to Jesus? Like, the question we should be asking ourselves is, do I really believe God can do anything about my situation? Man, instead of being so overwhelmed by trying to control the situation, maybe I should be asking if I believe God can do anything about it. And there's a really hard thing here, and I didn't put it in the, in the question, but I know Listen, I know there are many people, I know people in this room, and I understand that there are people who believe that God can, but sometimes we're asking if he will. We're asking why not. And, and really, the <laughs> Jesus is answering that question a little bit in the book of Luke because he says, listen, there's, there's lots of widows and there's lots of people that, with leprosy. But it was the widow in Zarephath, and it was Naaman the Syrian that was healed. And we recognize that God can, but he's not healing everyone. And so what do we do when our situation isn't fixed? What do we do? Like, let, let, let's, I don't know that we should play a lot of wit, what ifs, but like, what if? What if? What if Naaman had gone and he didn't get healed? Listen, this is, this is a very hard thing to talk about. But what I want us to understand, and this is what's so vitally important that we understand when Jesus speaks, when, when we look at what he says in the book of Luke, what's vitally important for us to understand is that God works in the physical to affect the spiritual. The need that we have is a spiritual need. There's been a relationship with our God that has been broken. 
and God is willing to work in the physical, sometimes by giving leprosy, sometimes by healing leprosy, sometimes by giving, sometimes by withholding. God works in the physical to affect the spiritual. Listen, Naaman comes and, and he's out of his control. There's this situation, the, this leprosy, it's beyond his control. He's at the end of his abilities. And in this moment of being at the end of his abilities, he's willing and able to seek help. Why have you torn your clothes? Maybe it would be good for us to actually tear our clothes and be broken to actually get to this point when, we, when we're, we're willing to spend all of our money, when we're willing to actually lay down our life and trust God. Maybe we need to come to this point when it's no longer, what can I do, but God, I need you to do something. And, and when we ask the question of why, we need to be asking ourselves, not, not why won't you do this, but, but what, what do you want to do? When we begin to recognize that God is actively working to accomplish his purpose for the good of all people for all time, then suddenly it becomes a whole lot less about our physical momentary problem and becomes much more about what God is doing in the greater work. And what God did by giving Naaman healing is Naaman is then able to go back to Syria and begin to share that there is only one God. It's not all the gods that we worship. It's not all the things that we do. All of them couldn't heal my leprosy. No, what it is is there's one God in Israel. One. And we worship him. And, and the rest of the story, like Naaman wants to worship him. He says, listen, I'm going to take back dirt so that I can like offer sacrifices on the, the God of Israel's dirt, you know. Like he just, he wants to worship the, the one God that actually has power and authority. And it's important when, when God does something great and we know and we're convinced that God can do something, that we trust him. We trust him not just for this physical problem but for the spiritual work that he's doing. How can I glorify God in this situation? How can I learn and, and be able to share with others what I've learned about God from this situation? Whether he delivers or not. How can I worship my God because of this situation? vitally important that we begin to recognize that God works in the physical to affect the spiritual. God works in the temporal to affect the eternal. And so we pray for God to do things. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray for these things. But if these things do not come, what do we do? Even if they do come, what do we do? There's a third question here. Verse number 13. The servants came near and spoke to Naaman. My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then? Would he just see you wash and be clean? 
he not have done something great? Let me ask you, if God miraculously took care of your situation right now, would you tell everyone? Would you not do something great? Would it not become this all-encompassing problem in your life now becomes this all-encompassing, like, victory? What if he doesn't? Will you still worship him? Will you still proclaim that there's only one God in Israel? God is working in the physical to affect the spiritual. And what we need to begin to recognize is that our response, hey, there's a physical aspect to our response, but what God is looking for is a spiritual response. Naaman, Naaman, I love this. (laughs) He goes to the prophet's house, and he goes and he knocks on the door. He's got his chariot, he's got apes, he's got this whole array, and he's got gold and silver and ten whole changes of clothes to give, right? And he's just like, ready. Elisha doesn't even come talk to him. He sends a messenger, like his, his messenger opens the door, he's like, hey, he said go wash in the river seven times. What? What? Whoa, whoa, I came and, and, and I've got all this and, and I did all this stuff and well he should come out here and, and he should talk to me face to face and, and he needs to like wave his hand around and, and he needs to like, you know, hop and skip and do all this diddly do and, and, and then I'll be healed. That's what I expected to happen. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm not God. I can't control the situation. Why do we come to God making he should do making him why should we come to God thinking he has to do what we tell him to do? No, God's not going to come out and wave his hand around and do a little dance and and bow to your whims. No, what he's doing is he's working for the good of all people for all time. And what's good for the, us for all time, it may not be this physical situation. It may not be this moment. Instead, it's an eternity with him. And he's willing to do things in this moment if we will worship him in eternity. And we need, we need, we need to begin to recognize that it's not according to our whims and desires. And when we come to God with expectations that he's going to do it the way we think, then we're going we're gonna to be disappointed. And we might go away in a rage because we deserved and we did all the right things. And what he's told us what to do. I want to be clear. God has not told us what to do to heal every single person on this planet. We live in a broken world. And God is, God is working to redeem people for a world that is to come. And there's brokenness around us. And it's hard. But we have a message for the brokenness that's around us. I serve a God 
we can conquer death. Not only can he, he has. And he has offered life, not just here and now, but forever. God has told us what to do. And some of us are, are looking for the great thing. Some of us are looking for the spectacular, the miraculous. And maybe he's asked so much less. And he's asked for us to believe. He's asked for us to follow and trust him with the faith of a child. Will you trust God and do whatever he requires? Whatever the situation, whatever you're facing, am I God? Can I control this? Do I actually believe in God, in his power, and the work that he's doing? Will I trust him? Not just trust, but like actually do what he says. Sometimes it might be something great. Sometimes it might be something simple. Will you do it? One last thing I want to mention. When we begin to see that I am not God, and we begin to trust in our God, in our situation, there's that should flow out of us this gratefulness. And he comes back to Elisha after dipping in the water. He's clean as can stand. It's, that's like a baby, right? I'm not making that up. Like a little child. I read baby in my head. You know. Look at another baby right there, right? So soft. It's like the skin of a baby. Comes to, he comes to Elisha, he's like, I, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to do all this. And Elisha's like, that's not how we do it. We don't, we don't worry about the temporary for the sake of the temporary. We, we worry about these things so that we can do something greater. So that, that the, the God we worship, that the things that we do would be able to be shared with others. And so that's what, <coughs> that's what Naaman does is he... He says, I'm only ever going to worship your God. And I'm going to take cartloads of dirt back with me so that I can worship your God. There's three questions we need to be asking ourselves in our situation. Can I really control this? Am I God? Do I, do I believe that God can and will do something? That he is doing something? And then will I trust him? Will I do what he's called me to do? That'd be a great thing. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for you because we do recognize that even though these, these situations become all we can focus on, when we begin to get our eyes off of the situation and we begin to behold your glory, we see that you are, you are good, you are merciful, you are patient with us. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see the work that you are doing. That we would not be overwhelmed by our circumstances, but that we would be overwhelmed by your mercy. 
Lord, I pray for, I pray for you to speak. Lord, I know, I, I know in my life and I know in others in this, in this room, there's been struggles with constant and continual issues. And Lord, we pray that we would not be trying to control these things, but that we would be trusting in you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to what you're doing and what you want us to do. Lord, I pray that as we are obedient to you, that as we proclaim your glory through these situations, that you would just do a work in our community, in our lives, in our families, not just for today, but for all of eternity. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much. I do want to mention, um, uh, if you're a visitor, I don't know, I feel like I'm recognizing everyone, but we do have a card in the, in the front. If you could fill that out and we'll get your info. I meant to have the things so that I can get everyone's info and I can get in contact with people who I don't have your info, but I didn't get those forms made, but that'll be coming up here soon. So, um, other things happening, no, no, no study tonight, uh, Wednesday night and then Friday night is parents night out and thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week.